am really privileged that I see a lot of, you know, I meet, come across a lot of great people and I see a lot of great startups. But I think it's anybody that is prepared to be real, you know, and the reason behind their startup. You know, I love a startup that is doing it for a purpose. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Startup West. My name is Brody McCulloch. And I'm Steve Elias. It's terrific to be here with you for the Startup West podcast, which is all about startups, entrepreneurs, and innovators who have been there and done it or are right here and doing it in sunny Western Australia. We'd also like to thank our sponsors, Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth, Dinner Twist, and TechOn. On this episode, we talked to Kylie Dillon, the co-founder and CEO of Real-Time Conveyancer, a company which provides an exciting offering to facilitate digital property transactions with a mission to build responsive and purposeful conveyancing technologies. This technology and service offering will see transactions right through to contracts to keys. That is real-time conveyancer. Hi, Kylie, and welcome to Startup West. Fantastic to have you here. Thanks for having me. First and foremost, can you tell us about your business, Real-Time Conveyancer, and the story of what led you to starting the business? Sure. Um, So we know that the way people buy, sell, finance, settle, refinance property is changing. Um, Real-Time Conveyancer automates and streamlines the conveyancing process from contract to keys through digital innovation. Um, And by that, I mean we bring all parties into the transaction, providing complete transparency and visibility throughout the process in real time. Um, And research has confirmed that up to 64% of consumers have told us that they have a less than ideal experience with conveyancing, um, which is how Real-Time Conveyancer came to be. Hmm. And sort of how did you set it up in the first place? Like what were some of the issues you you came up against? Um, So I largely set it up because I have a conveyancing business myself and I started to do some research around 2015 where um, not only was I doing some research but I took some time out of my business to restructure it to run without me and I went and worked for a company called PEXA, which is Property Exchange Australia, um, where they were digitising the last 10% of the conveyancing process I was really fortunate to be given a role, which was um, R&D, so I was able to travel the country. I even got to spend some time in the US understanding the what the property market looked like and what people were expecting the conveyancing or closing experience in the US was going to look like. And there was there was a lot of people that really didn't – they had a vision, but they did – there was no technology that was going to help us get our businesses to that point. So for me, I was thinking, well, you know, my, my – time at Pexter I knew was going to have a life on it probably around two years, then I'd go back to my business. But what I was using at that point in time wasn't going to get me to 2025. So I was thinking I drastically need to do something. So I took off again, did a little bit more travel, trying to find some technology. And there was just nothing that was really, I guess, sort of going to hone in on how I wanted to run my business. And I didn't want a one-size-fits-all model because the conveyancing process itself isn't a Mm one-size-fits-all model. Um, so that was largely how real-time conveyancer came to be. During my time at Pexter, I'd met a guy by the name of Mike Price. He had a company in New Zealand uh, called Proaxium and he had played a rather large role in helping build out some of the technology for Pexter. So he knew a bit about conveyancing. He was hearing the same challenges that we we were hearing. Um, and him and I just became super close and we agreed to let's connect, hook up and start a company. He was the, um, the, the CTO, my co-founder, and I sort of took about doing the business side of things. Hmm. Amazing. It sounds like you really got that entrepreneurial spirit amongst you. So uh, I think we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that a bit later. Um, in the early stages, funding, financing, uh, 
what did you need in injection of capital? Did it, did you do it yourself? Was it investors or did you go through the family, fools and friends or was it bootstrapping? What, what, what sort of uh, faculties did you need to I- inject there? I love this question because um, so when we very first started, Mike and I sat down and he said, look, I think it's going to cost about 650000 and it's going to take about eight months. Uh, $2.5 million and two and a half years later and we're, <laughs> we're, we're still here. So um, so what we did do, we, we came to a, a mutually – I guess, convenient arrangement where we would continue to pay some money towards to ProAxim to keep the dev uh, costs sort of ticking over. And then we said, you know, once we had monetized it, we would obviously start paying off that, that debt that was being accrued. Um, what happened though really quickly, really early on, we learned that the, the six months um, or the eight months and the $650,000 was not not even close. We <laughs> yeah. weren't going to cut it. Yeah. And, you know, ProAxim obviously had a business to run as well. So we were tr- really trying hard to see how we're going to make this work. Uh, fortunately for me, uh, the property market took a, um, a, a real turn. And yeah. in my conveyancing business, I was, it meant that I actually had some surplus funds that I was able to throw mm-hmm. back into the development. So um, whilst COVID hit and caused many issues for many people around the world, it actually, you know, we, we did see some benefit from that here in uh, Perth. So we we did that for a little while, and uh, I was about I suppose at that time around about eight hundred thousand dollars invested, and I was thinking I I don't know what where to from here. Like mm-hmm. I know, didn't know anything about capital advising, I didn't know anything about capital raising. Um, so we started to make some inquiries. We uh, got introduced to quite a few capital advisors. Uh, they all said, "Yep, you know, happy to help." And then you start to then it, then it comes then come the conditions. And, you know, we can help you, but it's going to cost you X, Y, Z, or we want this kind of um, percentage ownership of the company. Um, we worked really closely with one firm, about eight months invested with this company, and they turned around at the last minute and said, actually, we don't think that you're capable of going to an IPO in two years. And that was the first time we'd ever even heard the word IPO. That was never on our radar. We'd never said that we were going to be a company that could go to an IPO. Um, so we were like, okay, well, what does this mean? This city said, look, I really... We just don't think we're probably the right fit for you. Mm. At that point in time, funds were, you know, really quite low. Felt like our back was backs were against the wall. So I did t- take off to the family, friends, and fools, yeah. and said, "Hey, who's, who's interested?" Um, we received such an overwhelming response. So we were looking to raise one point five uh, on a two point three pre money val. Um, we, with the IM allowing us to oversubscribe, so we ended up taking. We raised two million, and we took the full two million. And then that set us on our way. So it was that was a, a real journey. And and during that time, my co-founder passed away. So mm. that was really tough as well. Like yeah. trying to do the raise and um not really have him in the mix was yeah. less than ideal. Mm. And when did you know that it was going to work? You were like, okay, this we we're onto something here. This we we can really make a go of this. Yeah, from day one, hmm. you know, which is I guess why I pushed so hard to try and find something that already worked. And when I was not able to find that, it was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And I thought, worst case scenario, nobody uses this. My own firm will still use it. Mm. But obviously the more we started to spend realising that, you know, it was a, pl- a platform became a beast and the wows that we wanted to bring into the platform, we couldn't just build a, a, a piece of silo. There's no part of the conveyancing process that you can break down and go, well, we'll just build this piece because if it didn't do this to this, you were just actually imposing another problem on the conveyances and that was what we were trying to solve. So we use a lot of unintegrated systems and tools in the business whereas what we've done with real time is we've 
through integrations but also some automation is be able to solve that jumping in and out of all the unintegrated systems and tools. So I I knew in my heart of hearts that it was going to work. Yeah. Kylie, can you touch on any more particular difficulties or hurdles and and how and why or how you had to overcome them uh, throughout the process? Um, The biggest one was not knowing what I didn't know. So I had the things that I was really good at, obviously understanding the conveyancing process, subject matter expert, but not being able to code. Uh, I became really frustrated with that because I wanted to be able to get, as a conveyancer, we are highly compliant. Um, It is a highly legislated, regulated industry, very process driven, but we are control freaks. And the, the, the fact that I couldn't control how long things were taking or um, not really understanding the, the, I guess, the requirement gathering, you know, having to be really clear in your tickets so that the person, the developer can actually build to what you're asking. You don't get to say, I would like it to do X, Y, Z and then go, actually, sorry, I meant I really needed it to do ABC with a bit of XYZ and a bit of a twist to that. So having to get really clear in what it was that we were trying to convey so that we weren't messing sure. with their yeah. heads either. Are there any competitors on the scene? Have you, you know, since you've started, has, has there been an emergence of competitors and competition? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think um, we went, when I say we went live, not live, but we talked about our platform, I believe, too early. Um, and that largely come to, come down to the fact that we were thinking, wow, okay, you know, eight months, we're, we're going to be out in the market. So that did ge- definitely generate um, some, I guess, a level of reactiveness to some of the firms that were out there. They had spent such a long period of time, new legacy-laden software that had been sitting around for quite some time. And we'd been asking for some changes as conveyances, but we weren't getting the response. But of course, the moment real time started to become a bit of a, a thing, I suppose, and there was a bit of noise, we started to see people going, okay, we, you know, right. we really should be building these these functionality that they're asking for. And uh, moving to the highlights and the successes, uh, that kept you going along the way? Um, definitely, you know, the capital raise, doing the first yeah. one um, and having the level of interest. So in our investors is actually some convincing firms. When, when your own industry, your own colleagues are telling you, mm. hey, we absolutely believe in this and the vision and we want to invest, it's just a really nice, reassuring feeling that, you know what, I actually have the support you know, as a, as a business, we have the support of our own industry and that was a really nice win. And, you know, it's just celebrating any small win, no matter how small it seems, making sure that you do actually stop to celebrate that because I don't know how many people said to me, um, you'll, be, you'll be so sorry, startup is, you know, it's peaks and troughs, it's peaks and troughs and um, it is an emotional roller coaster ride. The, some, the troughs seem so much bigger than the peaks and you can tend to get stuck in mm, those troughs yeah. as well. So I guess through time and having um, amazing people around us, we've learned to, to not unpack and live in those troughs. You know, they're a moment in time, tomorrow's a brand new day. No, definitely. So Kylie, what, what are the great journeys so far? Like really, you know, solid growth, got the product out into the market, getting customers on board, investors. What's the plan for the next few years? Um, definitely to continue to evolve the product um, and probably, you know, hopefully head from WA into another state. The thing, the thing that we like most is that we are we're build, we started off building for WA, so we had a really small focus. A small, if you're on the eastern seaboard, that was it's a small focus. But when you're here on the ground with your own people, WA people love the fact that 
they're actually getting some some love and some attention. We make sure that we hear what they're saying and really hear what they're saying even when they're not saying anything at all to make sure that we are giving them a product that enables them to do their job really well. So we do talk about um, staying in our own lane, you know, not trying to be any bigger than we need to be, not rushing, not getting caught up in the hype because there is definitely a lot of that. There is a lot of um, fear. If you're not in another state, then you're never going to make it. But we never started off with the idea, the concept of here you go, let's have this and let's turn it into, you know, a global solution. It's that whole needing to walk before you can run. Um, but I would definitely like to see the everything that we had on our roadmap, on our vision come to life and we do that really, really well in WA before we start thinking about the next step. And obviously because my co-founder had passed away, there's um, I think everything we do as well, there's a bit of that for him, making sure that, you know, we he would be proud if he was here today. No, that's really nice. And a shout out to the Startup West podcast sponsors. The Startup West podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth, Dinner Twist and TechOn. Kylie, can you take us back through your career from your own schooling? Are you WA born and bred? Yeah, I am WA born and bred. Um, I was a real fan of school up until sort of year seven. I was very academic. I hit high school and I think there was a lot of noise. It was a really different structure for me and I didn't cope very well with high school. I don't learn by sitting and reading. I learn by asking questions and I found that sort of high school having, you know, a different teacher for every different subject meant I didn't really get to form solid relationships. So I struggled with the, the different process of having to go from one room to another Um I ended up being asked to leave school in year nine. So I was 14 years of age. Um, I went and took a six month, my mum took me to work with her every day. I had to sit on the corner or or just help out in her office, making cups of tea, photocopying, whatever else. I recommenced at another school in year 10, which had a little bit more structure to it um, and was probably better suited to me. But again, I, I saw her out that year. And then by the start of year 11, I was like, no, I really just want to go work. I want to be learning. I want to be on the ground doing stuff. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. My mum found an interview, a, a job in the paper. She sent me off. It was an, as an outside clerk in a, a law firm doing conveyancing or for, that, that, that's specialised in conveyancing. And I just, I loved it. I loved it so much. I became a sponge and I just kept asking questions until I could, you know, when can I get to that next stage? When can I have a little bit more growth? Um, and I went off to TAFE. They more than supported that vision, went to TAFE, got my licence to become a settlement agent. I was the youngest person in WA at the time to be given yeah, wow. a settlement agent's mm-hmm. licence but I, and I've just loved it ever since. It's a real passion and that's kind of, yeah, that took me into working for some really great companies and then starting my own firm in 2003. Fantastic. So I, as I mentioned earlier, I feel like you've got this great entrepreneurial spirit around you. When do you feel that that came to play for you and when did you sort of recognise that considering that little journey that you just spoke to us about? I had two firms that I worked for, um, so two out, of, two out of four firms I worked for before yeah. I had my own and two were led by amazing women. Um, one of those women was Jackie Colton at Metro Settlements and another one was Jan Simpson from Jan Simpson Settlements. And they were, they both just played such a huge role. They probably don't even to this day realise the impact that they had on me. Yeah. But they were such great mentors and I really aspired to be like both of those. So I took a lot of learnings away from the, the way they lived their life but also the way they ran their business. And I think that was the kicker for me, realising that you can actually have both. 
you can have a good life and you can have a really good business, understanding how they dealt with people yeah. um, as well. But, yeah, just seeing the passion that they had for, for their business. Brilliant. It sounds like you got introduced to business probably a lot earlier than a lot of other people would because of your journey. Um, were there any early lessons from that that you have got from those mentors that, yeah, you think would be worth sharing with some younger people that, are, you know, might not be – you know, having a great time at school and looking at what they're doing? Yeah, it, it well, is to find people that you have some kind of connection with and being prepared to be a sponge, um, being prepared to unlearn what you think that you know, letting go of ego um, and being comfortable. When you find someone that does something really well and you you don't need to reinvent the wheel, you just want to do things well, if they are open to having that, I guess, conversation with you, to being a mentor um, and in those days, there wasn't, mentors weren't really a thing. So they were a mentor without actually knowing they were a mentor. Mm. But today there's so many opportunities. A lot of people want to mentor other people, but it's, and also too, I think one of the biggest things is you not, you don't have to get everything from one person. So you could have five mentors and one of them could be around business. One of them could be around how to interact with people. One of them could be how to, God, I don't know, maybe, communicate more effectively or listen more effectively. So it's not having, not thinking that you have to go to one person or one place to get everything that you need. Brilliant. So Kylie, you mentioned earlier about eventually moving to the East Coast, and but first and foremost, looking looking at how you can just really make it work in WA first, the local market. Um, doing business around the, the rest of the country, how would that differ compared to doing business in Perth and uh, what are the issues that you may think you may encounter when you do make that transition? Yeah, I think it's the, um, there's a lot of companies on the East Coast that come into WA with a great idea and tell WA how thing, how they're going to do things. This is what we're going to implement. This is what you're going to do. And WA doesn't respond well to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, I think, you know, before you look to go anywhere, you really have to, you know, know, know your market. So that whole KYC, you know, it's not just know your customer, it is know your market as well. Um, but also too, conveyancing is different in every state. So yep. different legislations, regulations, and and I think you need to do a lot of research and um, and really work with the people on the ground, work with those firms, as opposed to you know sort of coming in thinking that it's going to take over the world. And here you go, here's a product, and you will use it because it will make you more efficient or you know whatever you, you, your reason is for wanting to give it to them. But that's just we I found that that's not the way to get people on board. Mm-hmm. And based on your experience, uh, what advice would you give to Perth-based startups who are starting out now? Yeah, um, to persevere, to ask a lot of questions, um, to don't give up when things get hard because they do. They get really, really hard at times and you have to get really uncomfortable. And even when you're building a product that is it's your life, you know it inside out, it doesn't necessarily mean that because you think it's a good idea, someone else is going to think it is a good idea. So I think definitely the um, just be really curious and attend any event that you can attend where you might learn a small piece of information because you think that you you know what people want and how this journey is going to go, but you actually don't. Mm. Um, and I think trying to sometimes keep it quiet, go under the radar, um, you know, go off to the side and build your little side hustle doesn't actually get you where you need to get to in the time that you need to get there. And sometimes t- trying to do too much on your own, that the lengthy journey that comes with that, it eventually wears you down. 
saying earlier on, like, you know, we've seen some amazing products yeah. that you feel like they're so close and they've got really great people leading it. But if they don't have a big support network around them or even a small support network around them, you can't carry all of that pressure on your shoulders on your own. It's just, it is simply not possible. Yeah, we, we've kind of stopped having people asking about NDAs for things if they're because, you know, your idea of being out there and people are able to help you is uh, much better than just, yeah, working away on it in silence Secretly, and quietly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's mm. like um, Google, when we went to visit their office, they said, look, we actually share everything. We are so open with what we share because we're so confident in our processes and we know that we can, what we say we're going to build, we can build. But also too, not everybody wants to build what we're building. Mm. So you can flatter yourself almost a little bit too much and think, oh, I have this great idea. And you might have a great idea, but not everyone else is going to, no, no one, not everyone's going to leave and go, oh my God, I'm going to go build that idea because mm. it was so amazing. Mm. Yeah. You know, they don't have, not necessarily have the drive, the financial. Mm. Yeah, the passion for it. Everything. The, yeah. yeah. Oh. So get comfortable sharing. <laughs> Kylie, you mentioned earlier two great ladies who are two uh, terrific mentors to you during your time. Um, who do you admire, I guess, as a startup or a leader? Uh, in WA or anywhere for that matter that you've come across? Oh, gosh. Um, there are so many. Um, I, I'm a little bit scared if I said one, I'd offend the other because <laughs> there are so many. Um, well, I'm part of the PropTech Hub WA and I'm part of the PropTech Association Australia. So I am really privileged that I see a lot yeah. of, you know, I meet, come across a lot of great people and I see a lot of great startups. Um, but I think it's anybody that is prepared to be real, you know, and the reason behind their startup. You know, I love a startup that is doing it for a purpose are they, you know, if you're doing it just because you want to make millions of dollars, that, that's cool too, but you're less likely to find that um, maybe the satisfaction at the end of it isn't yeah. quite there. If, you know, who are you helping? Who are you working with? Because I think all of that comes into play to go, I actually really enjoy what I do because I work with great people because I'm solving a really great problem. The fact that one in two people cry during the convincing process that's mm. not cool. You know, it's meant to be the most exciting time of your life mm. and people are absolutely, it is, the, it is up there with death and divorce from a stress perspective. Wow. So, you know, when you look at that, what do you so, so much amazing technology in the health um, sector these days, the agriculture sector, yeah. there's some really cool stuff going yeah. on out there. Just before we get into the quick fire round, um, do you have any feedback or, you know, from your experience fundraising for WA startups and, you know, through that process, anything where you're like, this is something you really need to know? Um, I'd love to see a community get together to actually help share people your story around capital raising because it is really easy. We were working with a trusted source, someone that we'd known for a really long period of time, to get eight months into that journey and find out that we just weren't a good fit for each other. Mm. And everything, you know, there's no problems, everything is fine and we're all still great friends, but it was eight months that was a, a wasted, well, I shouldn't say wasted energy, but there was learnings in that. Mm. Um, so I would really like to see a community, yeah, come together to help those people, whether it was something that we got together to do once a month or, you know, once every quarter, mm. but just come and ask questions. Don't necessarily be, I guess, attracted to the bright, shiny light of a big name because the big name doesn't necessarily work what's, for you. In line with that, what's the one thing you could have done that got that from eight months down to knowing within the first month that it wasn't going to be a good fit? Um, understanding what the obligations on me were going mm. to be. So, the, you know, having a bi business plan, obviously we had a business plan, but um, putting together an IM, 
you know, I, I never knew what was involved. I didn't even know what an IM was, let alone how I was going to put one together and then who did I need to go to. And everybody that I went to was like, oh, we could do an IM for you. It's going to cost $15,000. Mm. Okay, no problem. Um, then you go to somebody else and like, oh, you should have told me. I would have charged you seven. But it was still, it's still a lot of money. And really, if you had tools around you, you can actually build out your IM on your own. You could send it to somebody, to, you know, graphically to, to pretty it up. But you can actually do a lot of the IM on your own. But I think the delivery to you or the advice you're not getting is that, you know, it's a really big job and you need to employ someone $15,000 to do that. So just, the, the, I guess, though, getting your business plan, getting your ducks in a row, really putting a deep and meaningful business plan together. I know the business plan will obviously evolve, but having something that you can start with and really believe in. Um, otherwise, you get, you're at risk of, aligning yourself with an advisor and then the vision becomes their vision. Mm. So you can lose your vision in all of that as well and go, hang on a sec, now I'm finding I'm over here talking to these people and that's actually not the vision that I had for the company. Very good. Uh, let's move forward, uh, Kylie, to a quick fire rapid round to, to close off. Um, if I may, just a, a quick thing that comes to mind uh, along the way would be, would be terrific. What's the single most important factor that makes a successful startup? Authenticity. Uh, if you were to wave your magic wand over the local startup scene, what would you wish into being <laughs> or out of being? Um, quicker to market um, and more knowledge more earlier in the piece. Who do you most admire in the local tech scene, a company or a person? Oh, I would probably have to say, um, I'd have to say Callum Ashton for, you know, the guts that he's, he takes guts and courage to do what he's doing. He already has a full-time job um, to put the PropTech hub together to um, and work. Charlie Gunningham, another one, like guys like that who are giving their own time voluntarily, guys like yourselves, you know, the industry or PropTech or technology, startup world, it needs more people like that. Great. And uh, how can anyone who's listening help you? Yeah, sometimes it's just nice to have a, some, a voice on the end of the phone, somebody that you could just pick up and just a quick question that you could maybe bounce off them. They've they've lived this journey. They've done travelled this road. Just, yeah, can I – two-second question, can I pick your brains? Great. We don't have a lot of that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Kylie, uh, business, family, life in general, what do you do to get away from it all, to relax and to refresh? I cook. Excellent. Yeah, Excellent. Very good. yeah, I actually relax, but I find cooking really relaxing. Specialty? Oh, anything and everything. <laughs> yeah, everything. I'm just a huge, huge fan. And um, the kids always know when things are a little bit stressful because they're like, she's either going away for a week or she's pretty stressed because the, the fridge is packed. Great. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, thank you so much, Kylie. Thanks for sharing your experience uh, with everyone who's listening because I think it is important to share these stories. Uh, and we're really looking forward to seeing how, you know, you grow real-time conveyancer into the future. So best of luck. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was so much fun. Best wishes, Kylie. Thanks. Also, thanks to our sponsors, Startup West. Podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth, Dinner Twist and TechOn. We recorded this podcast at Rift Podcast Studios in beautiful downtown Perth, Western Australia. Don't forget to subscribe to Startup West on your favourite podcast platform so our latest episodes appear in your feed. And if you like what you hear, please send us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Bye.